So anyway, I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for your mercy, and thank you for community. Thank you that from before the foundation of the world, you designed family, you designed community, and that is your heart for us. And that's where we flourish, is in the midst of community. And the enemy opposes it. In many ways, the world opposes it. In many ways, our fears oppose it. Father, we ask that you would just bring liberty, bring truth, bring transformation, help us to become uh, people who are those who facilitate and become foundations for community, foundations for your kingdom, as your kingdom truly is released through community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John seventeen twenty through 23, Jesus is praying to the Father before he goes to the cross. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them, plural, all of them may be one, singular. Father just says, you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So if if we're one, this is somehow going to bear witness to a lost world that Jesus really came into the world. There's something very powerful about, about Christian unity, about Christian oneness. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one. God gave us glory not so that we may just operate in power, but so that we may have a supernatural unity that bears supernatural fruit In this world, I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world, the world may know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus loves, no, Father God loves you, each one of you, just as much as he loves Jesus. Do you think God loves Jesus a lot? His only begotten son, his uniquely begotten son, that's, that's a lot of love. It says right here that he loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. And the reality of that love will be made manifest through unity, through community. I'm going to do a little repositioning here. Well, it'll be kind of low. I See, this has worked for months, but I, I it seems tighter. If anybody sees it starting to... To fall, please let me know. Oh, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, it'll, it'll. I think it'll work. Thanks for the suggestion. No, that's all right. Okay, what's the opposite of community? Isolation. Our culture are are very isolated. Okay, um, 60s, 70s, 80s. You talk about this idea of rugged individualism. Um, I don't need anybody. I'm independent. I'm a man because I don't need anybody. But these men are not functioning well as men. They're not loving their husbands or their, their wives. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a little sleep deprived, so I'm a little... I'm not, I'm not supporting the gay agenda here. I'm just saying that. Okay, I have not been swayed by the Supreme Court. Um, but anyway, the, um, you know, this rugged individualism has brought people into bondage. It's brought them into isolation. It's brought them into addictions. It's brought them into addictions to media, such as Facebook and and movies and pornography and things like that. I'm not saying all media is bad, but I am saying that if you don't have your needs met in ways God designed them through family, through community, and you adopt 
um, methods of living that you think are good. Um, they put you in bondage. Obviously, there's something very wrong, and we start to get a wrong relationship with the things around us. We live in a sick society. We have more, I think, psych- psychologists, psychiatrists than any other country in the world. We're the wealthiest nation in the world, but we're the most perhaps sick nation in certain ways in the world. So that says that there's something wrong with the way that we're living. Okay, and Jesus gives us a way of living, an alternative that is a way of life. But it's a way that is contrary to many of us, how we were brought up and how we're used to functioning. In fact, it's very scary for a lot of us. Okay, a couple of spiritual mentors of mine, David and Audrey Melander, have done international ministry um, there are other people who have done international ministry. They say the American church is the least intimate of any nation they've been to. The quality of the relationships, the level of even just like the way they, they express physically. I mean, it's like, okay, in other countries, they actually kiss people on the cheek. I'm not saying we should do that, but the Bible does, but I'm not. But I, I'm just saying, um, I'm yeah, I'm not, but... Um, I'm saying if you feel led to do it, fine. The Bible does teach that. But the idea here is that it seems that America is afraid of healthy intimacy. America is not afraid of unhealthy intimacy. You know what I'm talking about here? Okay. Sexual liberty, sexual revolution, people using each other, people sexualizing the way they relate to each other. Everything's gone sexual, which is very destructive. But God wants to show us how to relate to people in a life-giving way and how to do physical touch and eye contact and and spending time together that that revolves around higher things than that, that is actually life-giving. Jesus, when he came into this world, he brought people unto himself. He didn't just start a ministry. He started a family. He started a community before he started ministry. Right? He called the disciples unto himself. He spent pretty much every day with them. He got to know them. Right? Christian community looks like the character and heart of Jesus. It's safe. It's loving. It's gracious. It's servant-oriented. It's mature. It's giving. It's empowering. It's liberating. It's joyful. True Christ-centered community bears the attributes of Christ himself. That is what God is calling us to. Some of us have come from churches that did not establish community like that. Some of us may have come from domineering churches where there's control and fear and manipulation. That is not Christ-centered community. I know a fair amount of people that have come from those kind of communities. They've been hurt by leaders. They were not welcome and received as who they were. They felt used. They felt exploited. Then they don't want to go back to church. With good reason. But my hope is that people like that can work through the pain and the betrayal of leaders and go to a healthy community and become more healthy themselves. Jesus prays in John 17 that they would be one as I and the Father are one. He prays that multiple times. 
It's one of his main goals for the church. It's one of his main desires. Let me just ask you, in any way, shape, or form, would you say this was fulfilled, either present day or in in the, the early church? Would you say that? Early church, okay, persecuted church, I'd say yes. I'm going to throw out a verse that I think is a fulfillment of what Jesus was praying for in Acts 2.42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Going on in 46, it says, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It looks like they made community and fellowship a foundation of their lifestyle. That was the basis of how they functioned. Ministry was secondary to community. I think they had it right. I think they had it right. Yes, and you look at the fruit that came through the early church because of the way they chose to live their lives. I think of Paul Anderson, who opens his house, who establishes community. I think of the Alexes. I've always felt loved and welcome there. There's, I'm not saying everybody go to the Alexes, but I, what I am saying is there's an openness, there's a hospitality there. I want to be a person of hospitality. I want to be a person where people can come to my house and they can feel loved and accepted. They're not going to be judged and criticized. And I want to challenge us to think, okay, the Lord is saying, I want community. And the way they did it in the book of Acts is beyond just coming together on Sundays and calling that community. That's a start. Uh, the Bentleys and the Volkers have done weekend activities together with their families. I think that's awesome. That's community, right? Um, a young guy who comes, started to come to this church recently. I went to his house, his family's house. Didn't ask him to come to mine because I wanted to work on relationship. He wanted me to pour into him. And through that, I was able to prophesy over his mother in a very powerful way. That wasn't my intention. There's a young adult married couple in this church. They're going to come over to my house on Thursday as a plan. And I'm going to invest in them. This is community, right? And again, to say, is ministry important? Yes. But what's more important is family. And ministry will naturally, healthily flow out of a christ centered community. I think one of the marks of healthy Christian community is joy. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the main hallmarks of the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I'm glad when I come here that there's a lot of joy in the atmosphere. That people are joyful. And it doesn't mean you can't be honest about your feelings. If you're struggling with depression, which I've done a lot of that in my life, or you're having hardships, We need to be honest and authentic about that. But I'm glad that there's a lot of joy because that means that it's a pretty safe environment. And I think that maybe we're we're doing things along the lines of what God is looking for as far as the quality of community. People are free to be themselves here, and that's important to God. Except for the grandkids. Okay. 
some of the qualities of healthy Christian community, how, how do we live this out? We're glad to see each other. You know, I got a smile on my face when I saw people today. Did you get a smile on your face maybe when you saw some people? That's pretty good. Okay, there's joy manifesting, there's love manifesting. We can be honest. This should be a safe environment where you can say whatever you're struggling with and nobody's going to judge or criticize you. Right? We're going to support you. We're going to understand you. The Bible says that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. If, if we can have deep enough relationships with each other, we can actually do that. Then we don't feel alone and isolated. You know how many people feel like they don't have enough support in their lives? It's a lot of people. A lot of people that go to the church feel that way, right? We can all contribute to somebody's life. I don't care how broken you are or how whole you are. We all have something to give. Those little grandkids of Karen's have something to give. It's kind of joyful to, to hear their freedom, right? To feel their freedom. We as adults, sometimes we get, oh, we got we to gotta live out this role. We got to be all serious. We got to, you know, whatever the standard that society says adults are, Sometimes we, we feel pushed into that. We don't feel we have the liberty to express ourselves. So being around little kids can be really liberating for us, right? They're a blessing. Healthy Christian community, if you're a part of that, you leave the community feeling blessed, feeling loved, feeling empowered, feeling I had a meaningful connection if I made the effort. And there have been people that I've mentored who did not put a, a genuine effort in being vulnerable and getting to know people. And then they're like, oh, nobody wants to be my friend. Nobody wants, cares about me. And I'm like, well, I don't think that's true. I think you are um, being very antisocial and not allowing yourself to be loved by some nice people in this community. All right? So we can derail ourselves from receiving some awesome love in a nice community that God has for us. We need to step out and take risks in order to, to get the joy that comes through deeper community. Yeah, that's very true. The Bible talks about us edifying each other. That's the thing. Every day I've got the power of God in me. I got the word of God. I got the love of God. And I can release that into somebody. I can release that into several people. Right? Even if I may be struggling. No, you can have joy and sorrow at the same time and really bless somebody. Right? So I, I exhort us, I exhort myself to, to use our time, to redeem the time, as the Bible says, every day to release life into other people. Romans 15.1 says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. That concept's mentioned a few times. Little grandkids are weak. You know, most of us adults are more mature than a, a four-year-old, right? And it comes out in our behavior. Um, depending on our upbringing, depending on our age and different factors, some of us are pretty strong, right? And some of us are strong in different areas and weaker in other areas, it looks like the Bible is encouraging stronger people in community. We can talk about elders. We can talk about parents uh, to invest, to be patient with, and to help the weak. And that is the way God designed family. Parents, grandparents are strong, 
Little kids, infants are not. They are more dependent. They are more needy. They are more messy. And we as more mature people in the community have the opportunity to help these people, be they young, be they broken, to invest in them and help them come to a place of maturity. Okay? It really is our responsibility, and it is an opportunity. When I've sown into people's lives, some people have been more challenging than others. Andrew's been very challenging. I'm just teasing. He hasn't been too challenging. Um, he's a lot better with his cleaning habits. I'll say that much. Okay, a little got to tease once in a while. But I'm saying it is a blessing to give. It is a blessing to invest in other people's lives. I am blessed. I am enriched when I give. Spiritual family is something we can all have. We're probably not going to be best friends with everybody in this church. But maybe there are a few people that God's really highlighting. A few people that maybe I have enough margin in my life to maybe have somebody over for dinner. Maybe I can be a spiritual mom and dad. Maybe I can be a spiritual grandfather, whatever, grandma. And once in a while, have somebody over and ask how they're doing and use my many years of wisdom and experience to help them along in their lives. Uh, The reality is we are in a fatherless society. And there's a huge need for that. There's a huge need for spiritual parenting, spiritual mentoring in the body of Christ. Okay, Young people are very susceptible because a lot of their foundations haven't been laid properly And there's a lot of temptation, a lot of pull, and a lot of deception out there. So I think we need to be very intentional in ministering to young people. The Apostle Paul takes young Timothy under his wing. We see that in the book of Acts. Why do you think he did that? Okay, Paul's a spiritual dad. He's looking for people. right? He's looking for people. Who can I invest in? And there is Timothy. And God just align that. Both of their hearts were drawn towards each other. Did it bear good fruit? Would you say it bore good fruit? Okay, there's two letters in the Bible that wouldn't exist unless that relationship existed. I'll say it again. The relationship became before the ministry, but boy, good fruit for the kingdom came out of that ministry. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 3-4 through four says, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. He's not talking about ministry here. He's talking about a relationship. And he's talking about emotions. His relationship with the spiritual son, Timothy, was so deep that this Older grown man longed to see this spiritual son. And when they parted, Timothy wept. Those things indicate an incredibly powerful and incredibly deep relationship. Because Paul chose to reach out to this man. Paul, who looks like he was never married, had such a deep enrichment through a spiritual son that brought him an awesome joy. To his life. So think about if we reach out, if we 
become family to one another, the kind of joy that can be birthed into our own lives and into the lives of others as a result of that community. Ephesians 4, 13 through 15 says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge in the Son of God and become mature, attending to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Apostle Paul, who really has the heart of God and the desire of God and is releasing that into the body of Christ, says it's very important that we as Christians become mature. And it does not happen without each other involved in our lives, right? In other words, I need you to be mature. Paul Anderson has spoken into my life. Other people here have spoken into my life. They've challenged me. They've invested. And because of that, I am more mature. And I can offer more, right? Not just into my Christianity, but into my manhood. I am more mature My potential for being a godly husband, I'm going to do a lot better job because some people have chosen to invest in my life, invest in my heart. And I'm grateful for that. We need community to establish maturity. What are some things that hinder community, would you say, in our culture, in the body of Christ, as individuals? Just throw some thoughts out there. Okay, legalism, yeah. What else? Offense, yeah. Being too busy. Okay, carnal judgments. Any other thoughts? What's that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, competing. Competition. Forgiveness, lack of trust. And um, God created us for intimacy. He created us for community. Some of us are not at that place in our lives. Um, One of the core issues was brought up lack of trust. Okay, in my own life, it's taken me years to rebuild trust because my trust was so betrayed on such a core level growing up. A lot of people are isolated not because they want to, but because they're stuck. They're emotionally stuck. They're in prison. They're so terrified that that if they make themselves vulnerable, they're going to be used and exploited. And especially if church leaders did that, oh, it's so hard. And it takes time to rebuild trust. And if you're at that place, there's no judgment. There's, there's an honesty that, hey, you were treated in a way you shouldn't have been treated. It damaged you. The reality with life is it takes time to rebuild trust when it's betrayed on a deep level. And I want to be patient and respect people's boundaries. But at the same time, if you never try and rebuild trust, guess how meaningful your life's going to be? Ain't going to be too good. (laughs) Guess how deep and intimate your relationships are going to be. Guess how fulfilling they're going to be. If you don't take risks to be vulnerable, to receive love and to share your heart with people who are safe. I know people in this community that I'd say are very safe. Okay? So it's my responsibility to take steps to rebuild trust with people. Busyness, okay? Okay? Um, I'm not saying entertainment's bad because God's blessed me through a lot of entertainment. That can also facilitate community. Uh, But if you look at even like younger people's lifestyles, how many hours they spend on Facebook a day, you know, Um, which again, I'm not saying Facebook's inherently bad, 
What I'm saying is there's a craving behind certain addictions for intimacy. But why are they not meeting with their peers eyeball to eyeball? What's that? Okay, because it... Yeah, okay, okay. So so Facebook might be safe, whereas meeting them one-on-one and being vulnerable is not safe. But the fact that people are spending so much time on Facebook shows there's a craving for a community, there's a craving for intimacy. But I would challenge those people and say, why not take a step of faith and invite some people over to your house or go to their house and try and go beyond Facebook? Okay, there are things that we think that help us that are actually more harmful than good because they hinder us from the real thing. I would say Facebook is a counterfeit intimacy for the most part. For the most part. Um, I use it in very constructive ways and other people that use it in constructive ways. It can be used well, it can be abused. Okay, I'm just using that as an example. People who spend five hours watching TV a day, is that really ministering to their hearts? So there are certain things we can do that we can analyze with our lives Maybe we can change the way we live life to facilitate more community. And maybe the more community we experience, the less we're going to desire those things in the first place because now we got the real thing that God designed to satisfy our hearts. Does that make sense? Do you agree? Does that make, I mean, do you agree with, the, with these thoughts here? Okay. We're th- we, we do small groups after the message usually to try and facilitate community and intimacy, which is scary for some people. But it's a good scary. It's not a bad scary. Again, you don't have to do them. But the point of that is to get people out of their comfort zones to help them to get their needs met and to have meaningful connections. Right? But a lot of people, um, they're, they're, they're not comfortable with that. And it's helped. I think it's helped to establish a better community. We're on a good trajectory here. Uh, We're thinking about kicking off small groups in the fall. Anybody been a part of a small group before? Would you say that it's it's been fruitful? Has it been meaningful? Okay, so I hear a good testimony. It's the best. I've been part of a small group before. Um, How many people would be interested in doing a small group, being a part of a small group in the fall? Okay, so I'm seeing some hands. I'm, I'm excited for that. And these are, these are groups that could meet once every other week, once a week. Um, when you f- figure that out and we're thinking about who the leaders will be with this stuff, but really feel God wants to do that to establish more community uh, within this community. Okay, so I'm glad for that. We are going to, I'm just going to pray over the message right now. I'm pretty much done. And thank you. Um, Father, the, the message is a challenging one, but it's such an awesome opportunity. It's a message that calls us out of an unhealthy society, uh, from an unhealthy way of doing life, uh, from fear, from addictions. It, it's a lifestyle that calls us into joy, intimacy, fulfillment, and maturity, into belonging. God, community is a good thing, but a scary thing for some of us. And Lord, we pray that the seeds that were sown today would bear good fruit. Not just good fruit, but great fruit, Lord. And we lift up this community, we lift up our families, and we pray, Lord, that 
um, we could think about ways in which we could facilitate community in our lives. And even people in this community that we might want to have a deeper connection with or invest in, invite to our house, uh, have a meal, do a fun activity with. And um, just pray that you would bless our connections in very special ways so that we would know how much a part of your heart this is, God, how important it is to you. And we bless everybody here in Jesus' name. Amen.